The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Please turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, we're going to be in verse 4. If you don't have a Bible tonight, we will have the words on the screens uh, so you can follow along and, and study with us. Uh, in addition to that, if you need a Bible, we always have crates of them for free, and uh, those will be in the room across the hall uh, available for you after service. Just grab some with a Here to Help badge. Uh, we would really like to give you a Bible if you want one. So last week, we took a break from our Curious series uh, to focus on celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and to remind ourselves that his triumph over sin and death means there is hope for every person. Uh, We're going to pick up our Curious series again this week, uh, where the sermons are based on your questions. Uh, We had a question come in during that, uh, when we were collecting those, and it will open a very appropriate discussion for us today. Okay, so here's the question that came in. What should discipline look like when dealing with kids in public? Uh, Society makes discipline, and they had in, uh, this isn't quotes, this is parentheses, English is hard, spanking, right? So they're, they're talking about physical discipline. Society makes that out to be an act of abuse and is greatly frowned upon. How can we glorify God through this and be a witness to our broken society? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna answer the, questions specifically, but I'm also going to use it as a springboard for us to discuss a biblically informed and gospel-shaped approach to raising kids. It makes a lot of sense today, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, Just a quick word to those of you who are not raising children, uh, either because you don't have any of yours, uh, your own, or or yours are already grown. Uh, It could be real tempting to feel uh, left out of this sermon but I'm going to ask you to hang in there uh, for a couple reasons. The first reason is the principles and motivations for parenting from a gospel lens, those will translate to just about anything that you could think of. There's real great value in learning how to uh, run any and all of our life through the grid of the gospel. And so as we do that tonight, there will be practical application for you, uh, even if you aren't raising children in this moment. The second reason Uh, I would ask you to hang with me on that, is if you don't have children right now that you're primarily responsible for raising, uh, then you're a great example of someone who may have some bandwidth in your life to help those of us who are currently enjoying the blessed experience of herding feral cats in a thunderstorm, aka parenting. Uh, You may have some bandwidth to help some of us who are doing that, uh, and, and and be a part of that process. So there's, there's multiple reasons why just if, if you're not primarily responsible for raising some kids right now, you may have grandkids, you may have uh, nephews, nieces, uh, and, and ultimately we believe that the church is a family, and so maybe you could get involved with some other folks as well. And I really want to thank uh, many of you here at Love City who really live this truth because I hear and experience all the time people willing to love and invest in other people's children, And it really blesses me so much. Uh, It shows the world and it shows those kids that the family of God is a reality we live and not just words that we say. And so I'm thankful to all of you that that do that actively and intentionally. So praise God for all of those things. 
We're going to read Hebrews 12, uh, verses 4 through 11, and see what the Lord has for us, okay? Here we go. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Praise God for his word. Amen. Uh, I would like to commend uh, whoever asked the question uh, for asking it well, because you didn't ask for Christian tips and tricks to navigate public places with your kids. You asked this. You said, how do we glorify God in how we discipline our children? And, and this is really the heart of the matter, and it, it really shows something about the heart of the asker. And so I just want to say that up front, and thank you for the question. Uh, in case this is new news to somebody, the Bible doesn't include a parenting manual in the back next to the maps, right? So um, that's a bummer. Sometimes we wish it did, but we do get a good glimpse into the motives and actions of God through the scriptures, and, and he is the only perfect parent. Is there any parents who could say amen to that? Okay. Three of you. The rest of you either didn't hear me or are delusional. <laughs> God is the only perfect parent. Amen. Uh, the pinnacle of God's actions is, is what we refer to as the gospel. Okay, so the whole Old Testament leads up to, the beginning of the New Testament describes, and the rest of the New Testament shows us how to live in light of Jesus' perfect life, sacrificial death, and triumphant resurrection. We learn more about how God fathers his children from the gospel than we do anywhere else. It is only by faith in what Jesus has done that these verses in Hebrews apply to anyone. Okay, sometimes people think that humanity in general are the children of God. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, and it's talking about Jesus, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And so there are those who are human but have not submitted to God, have not believed on Christ, and they are not counted among God's children. That may be a harsh reality for some, but that is, the Bible is the only shot we got to know what God thinks about anything, and the Bible is pretty clear on it. Uh, we, we are God's children by, by faith in Jesus and his finished work, and so that's an important thing for us to understand and helps us shape moving forward how we're going to talk about this. We see here in Hebrews 12 that God disciplines the children who he loves. Verse 10 says he disciplines us for our good. There are perhaps many more things that we could draw from these few verses we read, but we're going to focus on three ways that God and his gospel should shape our parenting. The gospel should help us parent humbly. 
The gospel should help us parent consistently, and the gospel should help us parent out of love. Okay? So the first of the three is that the gospel should help us parent humbly. Now, uh, I mentioned this in the run-up to the child dedication, but one of the biggest and most important ways that the gospel helps us parent humbly is in modeling repentance to our kids, okay? And I just want to say that because we're going to talk about a lot as we work through this, and none of us is going to get all of this right all the time. And so we should just acknowledge that now and understand that one way the gospel helps us to humbly parent our children is it gives us the ability to not have to hide behind and justify our actions all the time. But if we come short of the mark of loving our kids well or teaching them well or modeling for them well what it means to to follow Jesus, we can tell our kids sorry. We can come to them and show them what it looks like to repent. Uh, And, you know, the first time they they understand what a real apology or real repentance looks like, uh, it shouldn't have to be us just trying to force them to do it. They should have seen it from us because my assumption is that uh, most of us uh, are, are doing a less than perfect job parenting uh, semi-often. Is that fair, right? It's, it's, there's, there's lots of opportunities for us to uh, model repentance before our kids, and I think we should. We should, be, we should be quick to do that. I think sometimes we feel like you'll lose control of them if you, if you show, any, show any weakness, but really repentance isn't weakness. Uh, being humble and, and telling your kids, hey, I made a mistake, will you forgive me? That's, that's not weakness. Uh, that's actually a sign of great strength, and, and they'll pick up on that. The little ones tend to be smarter than we give them credit for uh, sometimes. So, uh, so here's what I want to do. I want to use the common scenario that is used to discuss parenting in public. We've all experienced it. You're at the grocery store, and either you or someone else there has a child who is screaming and crying and making a scene. And you might be thinking, okay, so how does the gospel speak to that situation? Does it, or is this guy just trying to stretch to make a connection? I don't think so. Uh, first off, whether, whether it is your child or someone else's, okay, if you have a gospel framework for understanding the world, you should have more patience than someone who doesn't have that same gospel framework for understanding the world. Uh, we know, first of all, that God has been exceedingly patient with each of us, right? In First Peter, Peter says, God is not slow as some count slowness, but he is patient willing that none should perish. God is about reconciling broken humanity to himself. And he's very patient. He's been working a long process of redemption to accomplish that end. And uh, that's, that's at the total like big scale picture. Uh, and for many of us, he's been patient and long-suffering in many ways and still was and is today, right? Like, let's, I'll raise my hand. He's been patient with me today because somewhere in my thoughts, actions, words, I've been less than a perfect son. And so I'm thankful for God's mercy. I'm thankful for his patience. And out of his character, which we see most vibrantly through the gospel, it should help us to be more patient. People do sometimes like to point at times in the Bible when God punished his people and try to use that as evidence that he's not a good father. But if they would look for just a moment at the whole story, they would see God consistently calling his people to repentance and and seeking for them to turn from their sinful ways. And even when God does finally bring punishment, it it is really for their good, and he's trying to shake them out of their self-destructive ways. God's not uh, like the Roman pantheon or the Greek pantheon where you've got gods that are 
uh, needlessly jealous and angry for no reason. God does get angry, but he gets angry at sin. And the reason he gets angry at sin is because he's a loving God. And he knows that every time we do anything that's outside of the boundaries he has created, it's going to lead to damage for us and, and danger for us and destruction for us. And God is not about his kids being in that stuff. So he does get very angry at sin. He, and, but his anger and his love, they work together in tandem. They're not separated from one another. And that's, that's really important for us to understand and something that by the help of his Holy Spirit, we can, we can aspire to. So um, God does punish, but he does it for the good of those he loves, which amazingly, friend, is us. Say, say I'm the one God loves. Go ahead and say that so you can hear yourself say it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, you know you, right? No, you're all great. I, I just need to say that sometimes. All right, so the verses we just read teach us that we should humbly acknowledge we never grow out of a need uh, for discipline from God. That's part of what's being said here. Don't run away from God's discipline, son or daughter of God, but uh, run to it and understand that it is a sign that God loves you. And, and part of humble parenting is humbly acknowledging that we never outgrow the need for discipline. Now, for some of you, that might be hard to swallow because you may, you may assume yourself to be seasoned and you got it all together, you figured most of life out, and, and maybe those things are true. Maybe you do have most things figured out. But the Bible also says very plainly that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And the reality is none of us has reached a place where we will not, at, at, at least at some times, need God's discipline and help to, uh, and, and his correction to come off of the, the crooked path of destruction back onto the straight path of salvation and hope. So uh, that's that's true. Humble acknowledgement that we never outgrow the need for discipline. And, and part, of, part of why that's important, acknowledging that I need God to discipline me sometimes. Why that's important is because children are not perfect, but the gospel teaches that neither are you. And so if it is your child who's gone dead weight and is losing their mind because you bought the green grapes instead of the red grapes, right, at the grocery store... You can take a deep breath and remember that you also, because of your sin, sometimes act like a spoiled brat. You may not lay in the floor of the grocery store and scream, but you may be ungrateful and, and sometimes unwilling to obey the Lord in, in a variety of ways. And so a humble acknowledgement of, of who we are in our own sinful nature helps us to have mercy and patience with children. If it's someone else's kid that's having the grape tantrum, uh, the gospel should keep you from becoming an instant parenting Pharisee and deciding that, that that person is doing a terrible job with their child. That could be the only reason a child is screaming in a grocery store because they're unruly and undisciplined and that person probably doesn't care, right? Colin Moripovich and everything else. Uh, the gospel should help you from jumping to that conclusion. Uh, it should help you to have a humble estimation of yourself that gives you the freedom to have a gracious estimation of others. Does that make sense? Uh, here's, here's the truth. Sometimes kids are tired. Sometimes they're hungry. And sometimes they can't articulate what's bugging them, and so they lose control of their emotions. Uh, some kids by nature are super strong-willed. Some kids are very compliant. Uh, the gospel teaches us that children are little people that God loves so much he sent Jesus to die for them, not puppets to be controlled. Okay. Now that doesn't. You might. Think, Is this guy a liberal? No, not really. I, and and I think children should be disciplined. Just let let me keep going. Don't don't throw anything yet. Uh, 
I, I just, this is important. In humble parenting, we need to be humble in the way we parent our own kids, but we need to be humble in, in the way we approach other parents. And I think there's a, a very divisive and unhealthy sense of competition oftentimes among parents. Happens a lot of time in the realm of social media. Uh, you know, I fed my kid hand-sliced organic papaya. Well, I, the, the one, I picked them myself, you know, went, went down to South America and got them myself and prepared them, and they're cut in star shapes, so. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's, it's unhealthy, um, and, and we, sometimes we judge others harshly, and, and we don't know, man. Some folks have been abandoned by the other parent, and they have to take kids to the store, you know. Some, they don't have an option of somebody to leave them with, and so that's tough, right? Some people are exhausted themselves. They're just trying to keep it all together. And if your first reaction is to jump on a high horse and look down on somebody with a disobedient child, you're being prideful and you should repent. Uh, Then you should pray for that parent and ask God to help them humbly discipline their children instead of snarling at them or under your breath talking about if that was my kid and this and that and the other thing. You don't know if that was your kid because you have no idea the temperament of that child and you have no idea what they've been through and you should chill out. Can you say amen to that? Or are you really offended? I mean, either it doesn't, I'm gonna keep going, so it doesn't matter. I'm just I'm just telling you what the book says, man. This is just truth, simple stuff. So um, now, now for those of you who are like, this guy's too soft on kids, now 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 you're gonna be happy. So though we need to humble be, be humble in our approach to parenting, acknowledging that we we are also sinners in need of grace. Uh, we need to love our children enough to consistently walk with them and teach them how to behave. They need us to do that. And so the second thing I told you is that the gospel should help us parent consistently. Uh, Proverbs twenty two fifteen says this, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Uh, so first of all, the gospel teaches us that no matter how cute or funny our kids are, they are little foolish sinners that need our love and guidance, Okay. So the Bible teaches that. We need to acknowledge that, all right? They are cute. My kids look like cherubs when they were little. I mean, it was, it's tough sometimes to discipline them. Little blue-eyed, like, baby angels, right? But they're bad from the jump, and they need discipline. They need someone to love them enough to tell them, no, that's going to hurt you. Stop, right? Um, if, if we look at what Hebrews teaches here, we, we see that discipline is the mark of a loving parent. And it's not simply to control their behavior temporarily, but to train them continually. I'm going to say that again because it's really important, and I think it's something we often miss. Hebrews shows us here that what God does as a perfect father is he's not seeking to just control our behavior temporarily, but to train us continually. And that's what we want to do with our kids, is not, not just get them to stop the thing right now because the thing's annoying me, but to think of it as training them for, for life, for this continual arc of growth, and for them to find and do what it is God has made them to do. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that their sin and foolishness is that folly is going to lead them towards destruction and pain. It's thinking on a larger scale than just, I'm annoyed right now by what you're doing, right? But sometimes it's hard. Can we be honest as parents? Sometimes all I'm thinking about is, if you keep arguing, I'm going to knock your heads together, right? Like, that's, that's as far as, but, but hopefully what... The scriptures are going to help us do today is pan out a little bit and have a gospel lens and even be able to catch ourselves maybe quicker than we have in the past and say, you know what, there's a purpose to this parenting and it's bigger than just keeping them from annoying me, right? Amen. Okay, so God has modeled um, 
sorry, in order to, to not just modify behavior temporarily, but to train them continually, that approach requires consistency. Uh, God has modeled this for us perfectly. Uh, his character and expectations of us do not change. The boundary lines have been marked, and he does not move them on us. And that's really helpful for us. We all need this, this type of consistency. We need it in our, the way we relate to the Lord. Uh, but children really need this especially. Consistency is maybe the most important part of godly discipline, uh, and it's maybe also the hardest. Uh, the truth is kids will wear you down. They will test boundaries at every turn, and they will figure out what they can get away with. Uh, it's like it's their job, right? Um, but nobody pays them for it. <laughs> they add nothing monetarily. They only pull away energy and dollars, it seems. But they're worth it. But they're worth it. They're blessed gifts, right? Amen. I'm kidding. The hardest thing, though, is... So we, we got to be consistent with them. we got to know they're going to wear us down. The hardest thing for me is when they do bad stuff that is funny, right? It's, now I need to be consistent, but I'm trying not to laugh. And that's, that's when they get me. And, and most of my discipline stories are going to be surrounding my son, Max, who is four. So if you don't know us, Lucy is seven, and uh, she has her own sinful tendencies and butt heads, butts heads probably with mom more than with me, and that's probably typical. But basically, if, if I look at her and do anything that gives her any signal whatsoever that I might be displeased. Normally she's melted, and, and so I don't have real big discipline issues with her typically. Max, on the other hand, is a wild card. You just never know what's going to happen. So we were at a birthday party recently, and uh, he was sitting next to another kid very close in age, and uh, it was birthday cake time. And so uh, they're sitting there, and um, those of you that know Max, this will not be a surprise whatsoever. Those of you that don't know Max... He, he is very interested in food, all things like food stuff. It's, it's, part, it's, kind of, it's a big part of his world. Uh, dude's asking for a snack. Clockwork every 10 minutes, right? So we have to set timers on the stove. Like, dude, when these numbers say this, that's when you can have a snack. Go away. Like, that's the, it, that, that's the point we're at. So it's birthday cake time, and this kid keeps messing with him. And he's, like, reaching over towards his plate. I didn't see this. I'm over talking to somebody else doing, doing, you know, my thing, schmoozing or whatever. So I'm talking to people, and I see this other mom. I see this other mom, not, not my wife, but another parent's, another child's mother, starts laughing, kind of covering her mouth and walking away from the area where Max is at. She starts heading towards me. I'm like, sweet, this will be good. She walks over and says, <clears throat> she's laughing, thankfully. She says, um, I, I, think, I think the other kid was trying to touch Max's cake, and Max just told him, if he doesn't knock it off, he's going to stab him in the neck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, okay, so the right response here is, my kid just told another kid at the birthday party he's going to stab him in the neck. I should, I should not, no, no part of my reaction should be having to try to restrain laughter. But if I'm just being totally honest, that's exactly what happened because I'm an imperfect parent, A, B, I, I, it's totally me. Like, I would have said that 100% at his age. And so that's, it's tough when your kids are like a little mirror just showing you all your imperfections. So I'm trying not to laugh. I, I gathered myself together. He didn't see me trying not to laugh. So thankfully, I, you know, I went over there and kind of grabbed the back of his head and tilted him up and said, hey, dude, you can't tell your friends you're going to stab him in the neck, all right? Like, I don't know where he heard that. You, you guys are thinking, yeah, right, buddy. I promise. I don't say stab you in the neck. I might say, hey, I'll knock you in the next week or something like that when we're playing, but I've never told the boy I'm going to stab him in the neck. Don't know where that came from. 
Not sure if he's just that worried about his cake and that's what came to his mind. I don't know. But that's tough, right? I got to go, go over and handle that thing because if I just laugh at it and act like it's no big deal, then he's not going to know it's not okay to stab someone in the neck. And then, you know, who knows where that ends up. So we, we may end up at him actually defending his food with, you know, stabbing people in the neck. I, it's, it's crazy. So anyways, um, we, we got to be consistent. It's tough for me when they do funny stuff. Um, the, the, question, the question that we are dealing with here tonight, it, it talks specifically about physical discipline, and so I want to address that here in, in alongside of this idea of consistency. I, I want to submit to you that consistency in discipline is far more important than the form that it comes in. Uh, and some of you aren't going to like this, I think, but hopefully you'll, you'll ride the cart with me here for a minute and see where we're going. So, uh, some folks will quote the proverb that I read you above, uh, which was 22.15. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Uh, another favorite is Proverbs 13.24, which says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. And so basically people will use that to say that if someone doesn't spank their child, uh, they are not parenting correctly, okay? And so what I want to say to that is a couple things. First of all, if, if you try to build a doctrine off of a couple of Proverbs, you're doing it wrong off, off the bat because the Proverbs are not something you're going to build doctrine off of. Those are, those are wisdom sayings that kind of speak in general terms. And they, for you to say, because it says, he who spares the rod hates his child, that means every person better spank their kids at least once or they hate their kids. That's, that's just not the way we do Bible. Like, that's not how it works, okay? So first of all, that's an issue. Secondly, I would say to you, if you're going to be that literal and you're going to be that much of a legalist about it, uh, then you need to use a rod, okay? And I'm not even sure what the rod was, but you're going to have to find one. It needs to be, you know, biblical width and all of that, right? If you're going to be consistent, be consistent. Get yourself a rod. Start smacking with that, right? But most of you use a wooden spoon or spatula or whatever's within hands grip, right, when it is spanking time. So uh, I think I have a paddle that somebody bought me that actually has, I think, Proverbs 13, 24 inscribed on it. So that works very good as a visual deterrent. But anyways, um, and I also have to use it. But so here's, here's the problem with saying that any parent that doesn't spank is a bad parent, not a godly parent, not a biblical parent, okay? And maybe you're like, people say that? Yeah, they do, right? Because today you've got, if you get on the internet and say, how should I parent my kids on Google? First of all, you're a fool, don't do that. But if you did, you'd have a spectrum of, Helicopter parents, which I think is the term people use for like, you're just hovering and you're always there and you never go away and you squash your kid's ability to be, you know, anything. So congratulations. There's that. And then there's like the other end of the spectrum is like free range parenting, which is basically like if they're not burning something, I'm not saying anything to them. Okay. So that's like the spectrums. The Bible describes something probably closer to the middle of that. Um, and, and that's true of about, just about everything in humanity. We've got ditches we get into on either side. So here's, here's the deal with, with, with why I, I'm just going to say to you, and you don't have to agree with this, I don't think every parent has to spank their kids to be biblical. However, I think if that's right for that kid, then it's within their right to do that as long as it's not abuse, okay? Um, and why do I say that? Well, I say that for a couple reasons. I already told you that Lucy and Max are different, okay? Real different. I don't think I've ever spanked Lucy. I don't, it would have been a long time ago and it probably couldn't have even counted as a spanking because Lucy is very compliant and especially with me. 
She just, if I say stop, she stops. If I say jump, she says how high. She will melt into tears if she thinks I'm disappointed with her. And so I try to be careful not to let her think I'm disappointed with her unless I need to, you know, talk to her about something or whatever it is. Uh, I, have, I have no need, really, to spank her in order to discipline her. I can, I can just talk to her and tell her, hey, this isn't okay, and the very, the very thought that dad's disappointed with me is enough. Um, I don't need to go any further. Max, on the other hand, sometimes the boy needs some extra help, right? And so typically for him, it comes through school. There's a color chart that, you know, for behavior, and, and dude knows. Yellow, no screens. But if we go to orange, right, green is good. That's where we want to be. Yellow means I was jacking around too much. That's no screens. Orange means a spanking from dad. You can go ask him right now, what do the colors mean? He'll tell you. He's got the whole thing down. And that is a major deterrent for him. He, when that yellow pops up at school, brother is thinking, I don't want to go to orange because I don't want to spank it from dad, okay? And, and you may be on the other end of the thing. You know, I kind of mentioned those of you that are like, this guy's too soft. There might be some of you thinking, you strike your child? Listen to me. It's, it's a flick of the wrist, and it's just enough for him to know something happened. And honestly, it's more, I think it's more emotional than it is physical. You, don't, you shouldn't ever have to wail on your kids. But here's the point. That, so that is effective with Max. Uh, he does not want to spank him from dad. But I, my, my godson, for example, and I know a few other kids, they have a pain tolerance higher than you. I guarantee it. There are kids that are so tough that they do not care about a spanking. Not one bit. They will look at you. My little sister was like this. You could have beat her to death and she would have laughed at you. I know, I know some kids. Actually, I think there's some people in this room that I know for sure used to pretend to cry when their parents spanked them because they knew that's what they wanted, but they weren't, it wasn't doing anything at all, okay? So what am I saying here? I'm saying don't be a legalist, man. Don't be a Pharisee. Some children, physical discipline is, is an effective strategy, and that will, that will bring them into compliance, and it will help them and teach them. Some kids, it's not effective. And so what the parent has to do is, by the help of the Holy Spirit, figure out what's effective for that kid. And if you are not humble enough to understand that kids are really different because people are really different and give parents the latitude to be able to discipline their kids well, and I'm not trying to use this, I hope you don't hear in this any kind of excusing of laziness as a parent or just not disciplining, that's not acceptable. A parent that loves their child is going to discipline their child, but there's got to be room for each family to figure out what that looks like, and for each kid. And the Bible leaves that room. It, it really does. Just because Proverbs says that one time, really I believe that rod there could, could be translated as discipline. If you don't discipline your kid, yes, you, you hate them. That, that rod represents discipline. I don't think it's specifically saying you've got to have a cylindrical staff you hit kids with, okay? I mean, I don't know. I can't read, normally I can read your faces better. I think some of you are mad, some of you are like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Some of you are like, I don't know. So we'll just keep going. When that happens, I just keep moving and try to find something else that works. So I'm, I'm going to stand with that, though. I don't really care who's upset about it. You can't be a legalist about this. And if, if you're the one that says, oh, every kid needs to be hit, well, I don't think so. And if you're somebody that says no kid ever should have physical discipline, I, I think you're also limiting uh, what some parents should have the, the, the right to do if it's out of love and it's out of trying to form and, and shape and train them and it's not just beating on them, okay? I'm very sensitive to that, okay? I got the mess beat out of me as a kid. I'm not talking about within the bounds of what it should be. I, I know about abuse and all of that, not in any way advocating that. And, and, and a lot of what determines whether that happens is heart motivation, and we'll get to that 
as we keep moving, okay? So praise God. Uh, So before I said that sometimes kids are tired or hungry or even... Before I said sometimes kids are tired or hungry, uh, even the most well-behaved child can have a meltdown. That's really true. If the right factors come into play, um, kids are kids. So sometimes... But, but, so sometimes that's true. Sometimes there's factors, right, that you just need to chill out about. But sometimes that happens in the store because there's no consistency at home. Sometimes we're more concerned with our children's behavior in public because it is only there that we are embarrassed or our pride is revealed. Uh, many times we are more concerned with what other people think, and so we want the kids to stop screaming. We're more concerned about that than trying to teach them in that moment why that kind of behavior will harm their life if they don't knock it off. And so we as parents need to humbly assess our motives, right? Why am I spooled up right now that the kids misbehaving in the store? Is it because I see everybody looking at me and my face is turning red and I'm feeling embarrassed about it? Or is it, am I, am I upset about it because I know that if they do this for the rest of their life, it's, it's not going to be good for them? Am I thinking through that gospel lens or am I just caught up in this moment and that's kind of driving, am I getting, you know, maybe I'm not throwing myself on the floor, but I'm also losing my emotional control. That, that can happen. I didn't expect amens at that. I knew that would be a, a fun, self-reflective moment for everybody. Uh, and I'm a parent, so I'm, I'm in the boat with you. Uh, just practically, I think, I think the person asking the question was wanting a, a kind of theological approach to this question, but also probably some practicality. Practically, and again, this is just me, I, I would take the child out of the store if for that child, spanking is helpful, and that was what you thought needed to happen. I know that that's inconvenient and difficult, but let's just be honest. It's unlikely that the situation that you're dealing with at that moment is going to be solved right there next to the frozen peas with a spanking, right? So it also it kind of gives you an opportunity to pull them offline and to talk to them about what's going on, explain to them what's really happening. You don't have to do that. Uh, you know, if, if you're in control of your emotions, you can also get down and look them in the eyes. I find that really helpful just as a practicality. Like just talking down to them, it's almost like they zone you out. But if you get down and look them in those little eyes, um, it seems to get their attention. And, and, and it kind of like lets them know. I think sometimes kids can key into when you, and, and some of you moms have this ability. I don't, I don't know. It's like you would never need headphones to sleep on a plane or something because you can zone the children out to the degree that like it doesn't matter what they're doing or like what shrill octave their voices reach. Like you're just not phased. You can just keep putting groceries in the cart. It's amazing. Like I, I wish I could do it, but I can't. So, but the kids know that, right? They know if you're only like half paying attention, if you're kind of toned out. If you get down and get on their level, they know like, ooh, I've got their attention. So we are going to deal with this, right? Um, but, you know, you can do that. I, you know, sometimes with Max, if he's just all over the place, I can just, you know, kind of grab the back of his neck. Not, not hard, not, but just enough pressure like, hey, I'm here. You going to stop? Normally the answer is yes. So there's, there's other options, right? Um, <clears throat> and I just want to say to you, too, whoever this person was, it seems that their assumption was that the majority of people um, in, in America, at least, would think that physical discipline is abuse. Uh, there was a poll done in 2013, and four out of five Americans said sometimes spanking is necessary. I don't know if there are convictions about that, where that comes from, just because their parents did it, or whatever the deal is, but I, I guess I just want you to know out of that that 
the loudest voices don't always represent the majority of beliefs. And so there may be people out there saying that you hear any kind of physical discipline as abuse. In 2013, most people didn't believe that. And I realize a lot can happen in five years. But some of you are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy. I needed fingers for that. There's a lot going on when you're doing this, okay? So cut me a break. Um, four out of five Americans in 2013 thought that sometimes spanking is necessary. So I'm just saying, it may, not, it may not be as bad as you think it is from that perspective and whatever. So um, I also, I just want to encourage you that if physical discipline is a part of what is going to help a certain child um, to, to be trained to serve Jesus and to behave themselves and to not be a menace to society, I think it's really important that you talk to them um, and explain to them what's going on. And that can be tough, but I, in, in preparation for this, I pulled Max off to the side, and I was just wondering. I thought, I was hoping it would go this way, but um, and I told you about my parenting fail earlier, so I'm, I'm going to tell you this one. I feel like I balanced it out. But I pulled him off to the side. I said, hey, buddy, I want to ask you some questions. i got to have a man-to-man talk with you. His face changed. You could tell he was like, okay. You know, he's really into that. So, yeah, man-to-man talk with dad. So I said, hey, buddy, does, does dad like to spank you? And he said, no. I said, well, why don't I? And he said, because you love me. I said, that's right. And I said, um, I said well, if I, lo- if I don't like to spank you, why do I do it? He said, because sometimes I make bad choices. I said, well, well, how does that help you? And he said, well, it helps me to remember. And then I hugged him. It's like, yeah, dude, that's it. And so I'm just telling you, he's four years old. And I think sometimes people are are afraid of disciplining their kids because they don't think they'll get it. And I'm just telling you, they do. And I know, like, my, you know, I, I got, there's too many wild pieces to my story, but there's a certain segment of, my childhood, where it was very, very strict, and I really didn't like that when that was happening as a teenager. But I'm telling you right now, I got away with stuff even under those conditions. <laughs> and I'm, I look back now, <clears throat> and I've told my mom, like, thank you. You probably stopped massive destruction in our town, but also in my life. So, like, thank you. Um, and, and I'm just saying, I'm just saying my son is four, and he, and he gets it. Like, he understands. I'm, there's no joy for me in disciplining him. The book of Ezekiel, God says, I take no joy in, in people's destruction. I take no joy in judgment. I'm, I'm, I wish they would repent. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but God is, made, that, that's, God, is, God is not slow. He's patient, willing that none should perish. His will about it is revealed. He's a good father, and as parents, we should, we should seek to model that. <clears throat> the last point I gave you is that the gospel should help us parent out of love. Uh, verse 6 says that, for those whom the Lord loves, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And uh, when we discipline out of love, it, it kind of changes the whole thing. Um, James 1.19 says this, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that verse gets used in a lot of ways, but I think it very squarely fits in, in talking about disciplining and raising our kids. Uh, and primarily I'm focusing on the slow to anger. And, and I, my, my humble submission to you is that, that, if at all possible, never discipline your kids when you're angry. And some of you might push back when I say that, and you might say, well, doesn't God discipline out of anger? You've got verses all over the Bible about God, and we're using God as our example here, right, of a perfect father. So many times he, he is bringing judgment and punishment out of his anger. And I would say, yes, you're absolutely right. God does, but there, we can follow his example 
to a point, but we also need to acknowledge there's a difference between us and him because his anger and his love are perfect and ours is not. And so if God is angry about something, it's totally righteous and he, he can be totally loving in his motivation and angry at the sin at the same time and one is not canceling the other out. I think for us, if we're honest, there tends to be a primary emotion that's driving our actions at a given time. And it's very easy for us to uh, be motivated out of sinful anger uh, when it comes to disciplining our kids. If you keep going in that verse in James, I, I read you James 1.19, the next verse is 20. It says, so this is the reason you should be slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Okay, and so that, there, are, there is righteous anger. There are things about the brokenness of the world that I think God's people should be angry about. Uh, but I think when we discipline our kids, primarily we should, we, we should take enough time for us to at least run, run a gospel grid through what we're about to do, how we're going to discipline, how we're going to react to the situation, because it's very easy to just react out of the given emotion or frustration of the situation, and that does not model well how God deals with us. And that's going to be, then be things that have to be undone for our kids to understand how God the Father relates to us. And part of what we're hoping to do, which it's, we're going to need, part of humble parenting, I forgot this point all the way back to the top, part of humble parenting is just acknowledging we can't do this without God's help. Like that's step number one in the whole deal. Like if God doesn't help us parent, and, and that, that's, that's the thing, man. We're in, we're in serious trouble. This is way too hard and way too complicated. And uh, we're not going to come anywhere close to, to success in, in parenting if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't help us. So that should humble us. Um, and and we, need to, we need to know that our anger is not always justified. We need to take the time to assess our motives of why we're angry. And uh, we, we need to let love guide discipline. Uh, because it does with the Lord. And I'm real thankful he leads with that. When we see the love of Jesus displayed in the cross, it helps us to see parenting as humble service and stewardship done out of love for God and love for our children. One thing we have to remember, friends, is that these aren't ultimately our children. God is the father of us all, and we have been entrusted to raise, if we have been entrusted to raise some little humans, we must remember who they really belong to. And that should help us slow down a minute. Uh, and make sure that we're asking God to help us to have a right motive when it comes to how we deal with them, how we try to shape and mold them, how we bring discipline to bear. Um, you know, I, I think most people that are sane are, are more careful when they deal with someone else's child than they do with their own. And we, we need to translate some of that to how we deal with our own because they really belong to God the Father. And so just something to... Help you think about when you're dealing with that stuff. Amen. Um, if, if we remember how patient and loving and merciful and consistent and committed God has been to forming and shaping us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, then we can faithfully play our part in that process for the children that God has placed into our care. And so, to answer the question succinctly, we glorify God when we discipline our children in light of the gospel for their good because we love them and because we love our Heavenly Father. Praise God. Uh, let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that your word 
is true. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us an example in yourself of a perfect father. Lord, help us to understand what that looks like. Help us to see how it is you are a good and perfect father. Uh, Help us to see how the gospel uh, teaches us so much of the kind of father that you are. And help us to want to, to desire to be parents like you are, Lord. Um, We we acknowledge right now that we come far short of that on, on a daily basis. God, please help us to be quick to repent, quick to take our children aside and and talk to them when we fall short. Um, Help us to show them repentance. Help us to be humble parents. Help us to be humble in the way we deal with our own children. Help us to be humble, Lord, please, in our estimation of how people deal with their children. God, may we be much quicker to pray for someone that seems to be struggling with an unruly child than we would be to judge them harshly. I believe that would be your heart about it, and and I just ask you to help us with it, because sometimes, Lord, we, we are quick to judge, and we are quick to feel superior, and that is sinful, and we ask you to forgive us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see how you've been consistent, that from Genesis to Revelation, you've been working this plan of redemption, that you've laid out from your very character what it is you expect of us, and and you don't move the boundaries on us. You're faithful, and, and, and you're just consistent, God. Please help us to be that way. Help us not to confuse our kids by something being okay one day and not the next. Help us to see the vital importance of consistency. Uh, when we deal with our children. Lord, I I ask that you would help us to have spiritual discernment with each kid on what it is that's going to help them the most to know you and to love you, to serve you, to obey you, and to obey us because they need to do that. That's for their good. God, I ask for supernatural wisdom because we don't always know what to do. Sometimes these kids leave us confused and dazed. Sometimes we feel worn out, God. And, And Lord, help us in those moments not to... Uh, retreat into sinful behavior, but help us to just fall at your feet and to ask for your help. And we just ask that you would, you would show us what to do, Lord. We don't always know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And Lord, we, we ask for your help to always and in everything, for everything in our life, Lord, let the motivation be love. But God, in even a greater measure and degree, help us to parent out of a love motivation. May our love for our kids cause us to encourage them and to lift them up and to lead them and to discipline them in every part of how we interact with them, God. May love be what drives us because that's, Lord, what has caused you to deal with us the way that you have. Let your love for us, Lord, help us. Let your long-suffering, patient, merciful love for us, may it reflect to our children through us. May they learn about you by the way we interact with them. God, we need your help for this. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We worship you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.